Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Have you ever asked yourself, what is a good life? This is a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. We often get caught up in trying to manifest the perfect life. But are we clear on what that actually is? I bring you my new class, The Good Life Project, how to love the life you have while manifesting the life that you want. This class is the perfect bridge between mindset and manifestation, teaching you how to access deep clarity of what makes a good life for you and anchoring you in a clear framework that makes it easy for you to see what you'd like to manifest for the future. This class covers what is manifestation and dispelling many common myths about it, how to determine your maxims for a good life, how to figure out where you're starting from so you know where to go, how to deepen the clarity of the picture you have for your life, how to identify limiting beliefs and how to overcome them, how to use your growth to get better results and the integration process, how to notice more magic in your life so you start attracting more in it, and identifying the real role manifestation plays in your life and the purpose it serves. I jam-packed this course in a very direct and concise format so you can get real value that could change your mindset and transform your life in under three hours of content. Most people are looking for someone to give them clarity and guidance, and I'm trying to help you find that within yourself. By learning my method, you'll be able to adjust your perspective to what really matters in your life and get laser-focused on what you'd like to manifest long-term. You can find out more information at thelovelyalia.com or you can go straight to spiritualshitschool.com and check out the many courses we offer. Hello and welcome to another week of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely, and... I hope y'all are doing okay as we enter Pisces season because, oh my God, the last week has been bananas as far as energy goes, as far as synchronicity goes. Um, definitely, you know, I'm going to make a post on Instagram today, but like chat it up and let me know like what you've been feeling because it has felt like main character energy. <laughs> And that's how my husband put it, but which I thought was really funny, but main character energy in the sense that it, I, I kept saying, I feel like I'm in a movie. Uh, everything that I'm thinking shows up to me in some form or another as if like I'm on the Truman Show. It, it's so weird. And those of you who are too young to know what the Truman Show is, please Google it, Jim Carrey. But it's it's been super, super weird because um, the instances in which like, for instance, this interview that I did the interview I did today with Danielle Laporte, we had this amazing conversation. You're going to hear that here in a few minutes. But when I was done recording the interview, I went into um, my bedroom and I turned on YouTube or something like that. And I clicked on a creator's video that I like, and it was almost like the same conversation repeated back to me. 
from someone else's video that I had never like, what in the actual hell? We were driving through this small town and we were listening to this song by Shiloh Dynasty that is uh, like a remix called Imagination, which is a song off of um, Willy Wonka. And when, as we're listening to it, we pass a marquee sign in this small town that says, welcome Willy Wonka. I thought, whoa, that was, that's kind of weird. That's, that's unusual. Then that night I was thinking a lot about um, social media, what it does to the brain. I was considering like um, the way that it affects children, if they watch too much internet and whatever. And I was literally like scrolling when someone says, this is your last scroll and then details out exactly the things that I was thinking about. And the reason I was thinking about that was because I, I have come to this realization that listening to lots of content, um, you know, scrolling through Pinterest or whenever I'm looking for something, um, I listen to my audiobooks on 1.5 or two times the speed. <laughs> I listen to my messages like that. And I realized that it makes my heart race like, my, like my physical body is reacting to the input of too much stimuli and that this, you know, kind of overstimulation that I'm needing to find a way to become more relaxed, less stimulated, um, to open myself up, to start seeing like, what are the things that I'm eating that are causing me to, my body to react, um, to stress or stimuli stressfully. And that could be a neurodivergence thing. I don't know. Like it could just be like, sensitivity thing. It could be an empath thing, an HSP thing, but either way I got this, um, I was meditating to kind of like slow everything down and I was trying to get in touch with Erasmus, which some of you know, um, if you've heard prior episodes that there is, um, I don't know if it's my higher self. I don't know if it's a group of entities or what, but it's a very interesting voice that I hear in my clear audience. And it said, refine your instrument. And I said, what instrument? And they said, your body is an instrument. And I was like, wow, like, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I wouldn't have said something to myself, like refine your instrument. You know, I'm not like, <laughs> I don't speak that, that eloquently. But when, when they said it, I was, after I was done meditating that next morning and decided to listen to this book and in the book, like it was talking about kinesiology and the power of your body, knowing the truth, you know, without you consciously knowing because it's your instrument. And I thought, what in the world? And so the sinks have been the 111s, the 1111s have been 18 times a day. It's just been super weird. So I'm really interested to hear what you are picking up if there's anything coming through for you there. The last thing that I was hearing is when I got up yesterday morning, I heard very, very audibly, the wind is not finished yet, and yet we are breathing. Now, I just thought that that was like, wow, so poetic and powerful. And I sat down with my husband and I was like, I, you know, like, what do you think about this? What do you think? And he gave me his interpretation of it. And I was like, I think that it's, you know, the wind represents change and transition. And, you know, oftentimes when we think of wind, what can wind do? Like wind can be a tornado and a hurricane and it can affect and damage, you know, deeply the surface of our land and uh, our environment. And so in that, I, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. This, and yet we are breathing, yet we are breathing. In the transition of it all, we're in the middle of this transition and we're trying to get over this hump and yet we are breathing. We are still here. We are still 
committed and engaged and motivated to keep moving forward and do what's necessary to bring beauty and art and light to this place. And it moved me in a big way. And um, yesterday I was sitting in the bathtub and I was like, you know, do you have anything else to say about this voice (laughs) that comes to me? And, you know, I, I will read you what came through. Now, mind you, I am no poet. This is, I don't know that I can honestly say that these are my words. It came out in like a minute time. I had to write it down so fast. It was like a download, but it says, the wind is not finished yet, and yet we are breathing. The earth has emerged, but yet we are still seeking. Answers from our past to make prey for our future. When there is not time, there's only the lunar. We are watching and waiting for oil and water to coalesce when they will remain separate as it's always been for the best. We don't want to be fearful. We want to be strong. But how do we elevate when what we see at times feels so wrong? I have not the answers, but merely only one concern, that if we don't take this life deeply, we will miss out on what we learned. Now, if you feel the chills that I felt (laughs) and feel right now, behind what was said there. I don't even have the full interpretation of what they're saying or what's being said or what's coming through me. I don't know, but it seems pretty fucking powerful. I'm moved by this. So anyway, I just wanted to share with you Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) because it was, uh, it seems like we're going through something kind of great right now. And lots of people are talking about March and how there's going to be a lot of energetic shift into March and what that can mean um, for the future. So really love you to dig into that. If you have any, like, if anything kind of pops up to you, feel free to DM me on Instagram and let me know your thoughts on that little uh, channel. But besides that, I have a few announcements, you know, all of the synchronicities that have been going on. I'm going through something major, major. And so I'm going to announce something kind of (laughs) big next week. Uh, So that's definitely an episode to listen to. And we'll talk about it more. But besides that, um, Danielle Laporte is on the show today. And like, she is an incredible, amazing, wonderful spirit to be around. And she's got a book out called How to Be Loving as Your Heart is Breaking Open and Our World is Waking Up. And you can hear in her voice, the frequency is just so beautiful. It's so nice to talk to her. Uh, It was really fun. We talked about so many things and we got really, really ultra deep. So you have a lot to look forward in this episode. It is a, it's a major one. And what's really interesting is that like last week's episode was how to be loved. And then this week's episode is how to be loving. I didn't plan that. So that was just the timing of the interviews. And I think that that's really an amazing sink in and of itself. Okay. So two announcements we have number one, uh, conscious community is free. You can go to love this conscious community.com to be a part of our community. And there's so many new faces there. It's been really awesome to start to get to know you guys. Um, I'm just trying to take more time away from the algorithm because I really feel like the algorithm does not have wellness in mind and they don't have your wellness in mind. And so me having my own community and app means that like we can we can see each other. (laughs) We can talk to each other and we can, you know, if you're having questions about 
your awakening or what you're going through or the questions about spirituality, whatever, you can go on there and, you know, reach out to other people, community members with your questions. And it's just a nice space to feel like you're not alone in the things that you're experiencing. So go to lovethisconsciouscommunity.com along with next week, the big announcement, there's going to be some new stuff available there as well. that will be really fun for you to dig into and more ways to just connect with me if you want to. Um, because I'm taking some steps back from other platforms to make more, more space and time, uh, for the things that really bring me joy and energy. So look out for that. Uh, second announcement is we were doing a contest for those of you who are posting your favorite episode, which I super, super appreciate. Uh, that was really, really nice of you. And I put, picked, I wrote all of you down and picked out of a hat. Uh, I am Sophie said is the winner. That's the handle. Hit me up if you heard this DM uh, to get your free reading. So thanks for playing. Uh, We're going to get into today's episode. It's a long one. It's beautiful. Like there's just so much to be said. Pay attention and definitely go buy Danielle's book. We will get into today's episode right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely. And today we have the very special, the very wonderful, the very grounded and loving Danielle Laporte, the writer of How to Be Loving as Your Heart is Breaking Open and Our World is Waking Up. How are you doing, honey? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm so stoked to talk. Me too. Me too. So when I came across your content, I was like, who in the hell is this wonderful goddess of a woman who just has such a grounded and loving frequency that I don't hear as often as I would like to in the spiritual space, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And what you bring to the table is just, it seems like simple knowledge, but also like the depth is so gut punching. It's almost Mm -hmm. like the things that we've always just needed to hear. Um, and those of you who are listening, you'll understand that about her very soon. Once you dig into your content, if you haven't heard about her already. Um, so before we dive into anything in this very organic conversation, we're going to have, um, I want to hear about a little bit about your story and how you came to be someone who knows how to be loving. That's a great question. (laughs) I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on this course, Uh, So I'm writing the outline and yesterday I thought, you know, so many of us jump in and we just like start these courses and Hey, it's module one. (laughs) This is what we're going to do. And I thought, you know, I should talk about what informs my perspective Mm -hmm. and like, who am I, who am I to say what is lovingness or virtue or any of those things. And this is what I came up with. This is like really in the last 24 hours. Oh, love it. Perfect. (laughs) I consider myself a spiritual mutt. So it's just like all these things. I've never had a near-death experience. I went through this whole period where I wanted to have a near-death experience, but like nothing too severe that was like going to maim me. I didn't want to be in the (laughs) hospital for months. I just wanted to like see the light and come back and have things to impart. Never had that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would probably be easier like for my brand if I could say I had a near-death experience, (laughs) but no, none of that. And I don't come from a lineage of gurus. Um, I think what's going on is I'm a seeker and I share what I find along the way. Uh, I mean, my, what I'm quote known for is being really transparent about what I'm Mm -hmm. finding. Although there's lots of 
you know, there's polish and there's sequencing, there's timing to all of that. Cause I have a theory, like never talk about the shit when you're in the shit, hmm. get to the other side, get your learnings. And then to really be of service, you got to clean that up and come up with what you really learned. And then you offer it to people. Um, also, I don't want to share about the shit I'm in when I'm in it because I don't want everybody's energetic projections on me about what I should be doing or their advice about just, I'm going to have my inner circle. I'll heal, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of searching every workshop possible, very influenced by a course of miracles, Krishnamurti, uh, really most recently, Adya Shanti, Mm -hmm. love his stuff. I think you would dig him. Zen he's a Zen guy, very accessible, Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff on non-dualism. And then just my own uh, dark night of the soul. Like, I wouldn't say I've had multiple, but like a real transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And then really like the thing on my resume is I sit down every day. I sit every day and I have for years. And it's not that um, galvanizing and there's not much to talk about, but I do the cleansing. I do the tune in on a regular basis and I get a few useful things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, the the thing that I really like what you said about is the transparency that you usually bring to the table Mm -hmm. or the groundedness and being able to sit with yourself in those times. Um, What I would love to hear about is kind of like that dark night of the soul you're talking about. You had Mm -hmm. mentioned it, that it was, you had called it a dark night passage and this Mm -hmm. aspect of ego obliteration. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us more about that? Because I think for a lot of us, we are always seeking to be loving, but not necessarily towards ourselves. We're looking Mm -hmm. on how we can help other people and what we can do, but we're so critical of ourselves and our journey and where we're at and often looking for help and validation and all those other areas without really sitting with ourselves. So if you can speak Mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great nugget without really sitting with ourselves. Like there's two things in there. There's the dark nights, which um, I I can break that down for you. And I think lots of people will relate, but uh, so often like the reflex is to get the reading, to go to the guru, to do the other workshop, to, all the things without actually sit like did you just sit down for 15 minutes (laughs) in your living room or or on a park bench and just close your eyes and ask for guidance Mm -hmm. did you do that first Mm -hmm. and that's part of my own kind of practice now like I have an energy healer who is part of our team she's on payroll Mm -hmm. I've worked with her for seven years and I wouldn't consider myself protege but she's a teacher and now part of my practice is before I ask her I ask myself Mm -hmm. and then when I go to her I go to her with what I think it is and then you know sometimes I'm wrong according to her and lots of times I'm right my dark night was a long time coming and I want to define dark night so you know I thought when I got divorced dark night of the soul you know when I got fired from my own company and I got Steve jobbed from my own business. I thought that was a dark night. I said, no, no, those are challenges. Those are hard. They reshape me. There's lots of rebirth. I learned that there are actually some characteristics to a quote, you know, a real dark night. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because, and I want to bring that up because I think a lot of people in our space, like they throw this term around Yeah. and, and I just want to say, sister it's going to get worse mm. <laughs> <laughs> because you need to burn that stuff down mm. or like, just, you know, respect the actual spiritual Phoenix fire, all that. Mm. So being hard up and having to sleep on your sister's couch. It's not your dark night of the soul. Let me tell you the characteristics are, it's a really an identity burn down. Like I didn't know if I was going to go back to work. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I mean, I never questioned my faith in a God source, but it's mm -hmm. like, has, you know, has, is this the path? What's right. magic? What's Buddhism? All those things. And it's kind of like floating in space and you're terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And I did a lot of reading when I was in it of saints and mystics and everyday people. And there is this through line of, I didn't know who I was for a minute mm -hmm. and it was freaky. And then a lot of begging. So for me, it was a, it was um, a combination of things that led to the actual meltdown. So like there was a romantic breakup, super damaging, messed up relationship that I should never have been in, but got me where I needed to go. Uh, years of stress and overwork, hormonal imbalance, estrogen, testosterone, all cortisol levels tanked, mm -hmm. nothing left. And, you know, that's part of my learning there was like every good shaman says until you get the brain balanced, you're not going to be able to work with the spirit. So like, mm -hmm. go get your hormone levels checked. All of a sudden I was, I was sick. I had mono, I couldn't breathe all the things. And I remember calling my shrink one day and describing like what I was going through. It's like, I can't sleep. I'm having suicidal ideation. I'm having these moments of like heart racing, difficult to breathe. And she said, Danielle, those are panic attacks. And I was like, what? I'm not even an, this was what my response. I'm not even an anxious person. I have no relationship. I mean, this is so ridiculous, right? Even just saying this, I have no relationship to anxiety. Hmm. And she said, well, Danielle, you've been managing low grade anxiety your whole life. Hmm. by being an overachiever that was it oh like i used to have like i had my own day planner system it was mm -hmm. a you know i'll resurrect it someday <laughs> and i used to just stroke it just sit and wa i'd watch a movie i'd have my day planner there I just look at it like another five times before I went to sleep. So it was a constant planning and all that. And the dark night is all the inner child stuff, all the subconscious unconscious stuff that you've been plowing over with, by the way, spiritual practice, overcompensating, over meditating, over seeking, over praying one more workshop, all those things. Yeah. And all the overwork or the snack food or the bullshit relationship, or whatever, all that stuff needs to come up to be loved mm -hmm. and you will be on your knees so you can see it. Yeah. Um. So that hits me like square between the eyes right now, because I, I believe that I've just had a dark night of the soul. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, maybe like a few weeks ago, it, it started and it's continued into the space where I am today. Um, and that, that, that constant panic attacks, not knowing you're having a panic attack. I was having the tightness in chest and can't breathe very well. And like 
breakdown, can't sleep, like a lot of what you just said. And that feeling of like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what I think about anymore. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, um, not necessarily in the suicidal way, but that feeling of just like you're hanging in the balance of what's the point of this? Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Um, who am I serving? What am I helping? What am I planning? What plans are always failing? And that feeling of like, I'm an oldest child. Are you an oldest child? I'm an only child. Okay. So that feeling of that, like, I need to keep things together. I need to be them to help be held together. And, you know, the additional uh, layer of, you know, being someone's mom or someone's wife mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever and the expectations that come with that. And having this like moment of like, it was what felt like crippling fear in addition to crippling failure, in addition to crippling uncertainty of just like not knowing what's next, like not knowing where to go, what to do, how to plan, whatever. When, and I know that I'm an anxious person. I have a very deep and, and tragic relationship with anxiety. Um, and my mother as well, like she, we all have this kind of like, even with the hormones, you said that, but this, this moment of like, wow, if I don't figure this out in, in a quickly, <laughs> then I feel like I could just spin out. And this moment of feeling like, wow, like um, it was two days ago that I sat on this couch and I sat and I couldn't get my heart rate to slow down. It was like four or five days, one after another, where it was just the chest tightness and the whole thing. I'm like, I think I need to go to the doctor. And I set my legs up in against the wall never even read about that or whatever, just intuitively like sat my legs up against the back of the wall and laid on the floor to get my heart rate to slow down. And like in that moment that like just sitting with myself, I didn't even realize it'd been weeks before that I'd meditated or whatever. And I was like, I'm trying to fix something inside of myself that doesn't need to be fixed. It just needs to be acknowledged. I need to acknowledge myself. I need to have grace for this moment that I'm having. Like or whatever, and realizing how unloving I had been to myself for years, like yes. just coming up all of a sudden, I don't know why now, <laughs> why now, <laughs> why is this the the pinnacle time? But, uh, it hit me so true when you said that, because that thought of like, have we just sat with ourselves? Like we live, we work in spiritual communities where people treat spirituality, like consumerism, like capitalism. It's like, let's just go get the next course, the next thing or whatever. And as a creator, yourself included, like as writers and artists and podcasters or whatever, we also feel that kind of push and need to continue to create. And so mm-hmm. we get burnt out and we don't know who we are and we have to show up in a certain way to make sure that people can consume what we can give so we can stay relevant. Otherwise, no one loves us anymore. And that translates into dollars, how we pay for our, our living and our children and the whole deal. So I think it's it's an important part that point that you brought up because we a lot of times equate our value to what we can do in the world. Now you have a very interesting perspective because a lot of the content, I, there was so many things that I wanted to talk about. And I was like, we're not gonna have enough time to cover this one. We're not gonna have to, but whatever. But there was one in spe- in particular that you had posted. I can't even remember what it was about, except that it was saying there's nothing to fix. Like mm-hmm. there's just the acceptance of who you are, not needing to go out and search and find, but rather let in and relax and calm down. Exactly. That's integrate. That was the word. Um, so let's talk about that. Like, what does that mean to integrate in our lives and how does that help us become more loving to other people as well as loving to ourselves? Mm. Well, first I want to honor what everything you just talked about <laughs> in our, and, and going through. 
And I think these things happen. The meltdown happens. It never feels like the right time because it's a meltdown, Mm -hmm. but you have the structure. So you don't totally get lost and end up in a psych ward, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you have, you actually have spiritual tools. You have the intuition. I can put my legs up the wall. You have a home, you have a partner, you have friends. You probably got a bit of money in the bank. It's like you could fall apart for a while Mm -hmm. and do your healing. And I think the soul triggers the, the, the fracturing when there are enough structures in place that it's like, okay, you you can actually do it now. Mm. As opposed to I'm a loser and I haven't done my work and I should have done it years ago. It's like, no, this is really the perfect time to, to, you know, take it apart. And then what you're describing about not having really loved yourself for years, that's what gets backed up. Like, I think there's that, there's our own um, plowing over our inner child. And really for, for me, what really helped me in that phase was quote inner child work, which just to be clear with everybody listening, your inner child is not you when you were 10 years old in this lifetime. Okay. It's not a sequential thing. The inner child is a symbol for your unconscious self for the part of you that is not yet healed. Mm. So all your unhealed stuff is up. Some of it's coming up. It's why we incarnate. We're here to do that healing. We're here to make the unconscious, the stuff in the basement conscious and you bring it to the light. And what's the light? Your love. So what's, how do you get through this? The most gentle way. Like somebody just asked me at a gig a couple of weeks ago. I'm really, this is the most basic question, right? Like I'm really having a hard time loving myself. What do I do? And I said, treat yourself like a five-year-old that you love. Hmm. That's it. Sleep. Eat good food at regular times of the day. Hang out with people that you want to be with. There's no impressing. They just love you as is. You have some laughs, right? Um, what are what are just like three, four gentle things you're going to do that day? Lay down on the floor before you go to bed, like all those things. And it's, it's counterculture because we're all about the plow and all about the fix. And gentleness is the most it's the greatest power play for your life ever. Mm -hmm. And your ego mind, your wounded side is going to fight you. You can't take time off. You got a podcast, you got a kid, you got all these things. And yes, we have rent and mortgages and children to feed and those things. And we got to work. Most of us got to work. There are ways around it. Mm -hmm. There are ways, there are radical ways around status quo of plowing on. And so to answer your question about like how we actually do this, I think it's about reverence. It's all in. So this is really what how to be loving is about. It's not just tolerating your own stuff. It's not just limping along and saying, oh, I have this family of origin thing. I've got, you know, some ancestral damage. You bring that with you. Yes, yes. But you're not saying I'm wounded because of this and um, I've got to manage it. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the spiritual mother of your life and say wounds. I love you as is. You don't even need to heal my fear, my neuroses. Okay. What do you, what have you got to say? And so 
you're not asking your fear when it comes up, you're not asking your fear to be courageous. Hey, fear, you really need to be courage. Hey, doubt, you really need to be faith. Mm-hmm. That's it's actually a hostile response. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you wouldn't say to your daughter, how old is she now? She's almost two. She's almost two. Oh, they're just so delicious. You know, so you wouldn't say to her, <laughs> be different than you are. You yeah. would never, you would never. I mean, of course we all say, you don't need to cry, but <laughs> you would never say stop crying. Mm. You love her as is. This is what she's being today. You mm. love it. You celebrate it. Yeah. You're tired. You're cranky. I love you. Mm-hmm. Need to do that with all of our fragmented, messed up parts. Mm. So it changes everything. I love that. Um, gosh, because we are we are so critical of ourselves. So like fair. even myself, who like I'm on this self love journey, been on it for a while, whatever. <laughs> I still look at myself daily, and I think about that. And I, and mm-hmm. like to your point, like with my daughter, she started learning how to say I'm sad, mm-hmm. and it has been such. Powerful so powerful. Um, you know, she's upset or whatever. And she figured out, like, if I say I'm sad, I don't really need to cry or scream. She just says, I'm sad. And we're like, Oh, okay. You know, like, here, let's just whatever she's expressing that part of herself, but she doesn't apologize for it. Mm-hmm. And when I am in that state where I'm sad or I'm feeling fearful or I'm scared or whatever, I'm constantly trying to change it, adjust it into whatever I think I sh- it should be in that moment what would be more convenient in that moment? What would be best for everyone else in that moment? Um, my postpartum journey, I'm just realizing like with, I had a very traumatic birth, I almost died, like it was the whole thing. And I just tried to continue and be smile and spiritual. And like, this is what people are expecting from me. And I was very transparent through that journey, but like trying to keep up that face trying to keep up that energy wasn't loving to the journey I was going through. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to fix something. You said, um, don't put your last chapter of your book that I just thought was really beautiful. There was a part that I wrote down where you said, don't focus on fixing yourself. And like, without the anecdote to that, like just that phrase by itself, like just wrong for me, because unfortunately people have turned spirituality into a mode of fixing yourself. This is how we get better. This is how we improve self-development, self-improvement, whatever. When in fact, like our whole spiritual journey is just the human journey in and of itself. Like us just experiencing that. Can you speak on that? Uh, This is, I mean, love is inclusive. Love is as is. Love is, this is what's happening today. And that kind of love, that kind of capacity I'm experiencing like that. It's a muscle, you know? So say in the last couple of months, I've had some, you know, like everybody, a couple of rough days and I've had some health stuff. I'm going through this metals and mold detox and oh, body and mm, sad, really worried about the world, mm. empathy, all the stuff, all the things. Right. And I can naturally, just as you described, go into I need to be more positive. I need to be more spacious. I need to be more higher vibration about all of this because I don't want to create this. I don't want to choose this timeline. And then this little paranoia seed starts to come in. The move is to be like, this is what I'm feeling. And there's no judgment. It's just like, oh, this is what's for dinner. 
there's, I don't cling to it. It's the judgment that has us cling Mm -hmm. and has us over identify. Like you can be sad. You can be jealous. You can be angry and you're not those things. Like I am not my sadness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am the spiritual being that is experiencing sadness. I'm really mindful around my language with all of this. Like I don't say like, it's great for your daughter to say I'm sad. Um, but when we get older, we can say things like, um, I'm feeling sad. Yeah. I'm experiencing sadness. I am not that. Mm -hmm. So it's all about correct identification. I mean, really the, the, the diamond is you're not the wound. You're the healer. Mm. I'm not my problems. I'm the person who can solve my problems. Mm-hmm. I'm the little being, I'm the little soul named Danielle that's experiencing this human thing that's actually meant to remind me that I'm an energetic being. Hmm. And some days the spiritual thing is like, you know, I'm pissed off what I got served for dinner in a restaurant and I can just be pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then I can look at all my issues underneath that. And sometimes the spiritual thing is, I need to go as deep as possible in this meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No judgment. Let's talk about words having power because you do cover that quite a bit and I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Words are very important to me connotatively, like the way they're said. Uh, I would consider myself clear audience. So the frequency in which people speak is so important to me. The way that I used to decide whether or not I was going to interview someone was the sound of their voice. And in fact, when I met, David, uh, before we met up, I said, can I send me a voice message before we meet? <laughs> and he was like, what? That's super weird. And I was like, I don't care. Like send me the voice message and that'll, that'll be the the marker. So he sends me this voice message and he's like, um, here's my voice. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And it was enough for me to go. Oh, okay. I know I want to meet with him. He sounds like somebody I would like to talk to. And just in that little thing is like really important, but now look at you of words and being really important. I know that you are a fan of Dr. Emoto. Um, I want to hear about, I would love my audience to hear about the experiment that you did uh, with the apples with your son. Yeah. So the Emoto is this wonderful Japanese scientist who did all these studies. If you speak particular words, you know, quote, positive or negative words into water, you look at the water underneath a microscope, the words where you spoke in positivity, they're really cohesive. It looks like the molecules look like really beautiful, symmetrical snowflakes. And then when you're talking smack to the water, it's disjointed, chaotic, bad news. Uh, So my son and I, he's about to turn 19 and I can tell you it all happens overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Like this week he baked a, his girlfriend came over and they baked a weed cake and I went to bed. I think, Oh, I didn't know they were putting weed in it. I was like, Oh, I'm going to wake up and have some birthday cake for dinner. And just this big sign that said weed cake. on (laughs) I was like, okay. And I said to him like, just yesterday, we we're making like mac and cheese together. Now this, anyway, <laughs> when he was about 10, we did the apple experiment. Mm. You got one apple, you cut it in two, put it in different jars. You can seal the jars. You cannot seal the jars. You can put them in bowls, do whatever you want. Keep them next to each other in the same place. Every time you walk by the apples, you choose your good apple, put a little note on one. I think, I think the note on each apple, um, adds to the experiment. This is a good apple. This is the bad apple. And with a good one, 
we love you. I love you. You're beautiful. You're perfect. You're youthful, whatever it is. And the bad one, you just talk shit for a long time. Mm -hmm. And my kid loved it. I couldn't do it. So the lots of people will say, I can't even talk bad to the bad apple. apple. (laughs) And then I say, you know, instead of saying, you know, like my kid would be like, you're a jerk face. And, you know, then you can say you're dying and you need to go. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to rot. And then inevitably, it's like the majority of people find the decomposition, the rotting of the quote, bad apple happens double time. It's like within seven days, you've got a still pretty intact, happy apple. And then you got all this mold and mildew and on the other one. Mm-hmm. It's so good to do with kids because they see it. People also do it with rice. The rice yeah. starts to mold and mildew. And so given the fact, depending on who you talk to, we're 60 to 80% water in our bodies. Mm. And that water is, you know, holding our brain is floating in that water, all of our organs, et cetera, then it really matters what you say. And then you can, you know, all those frequencies, you get an electromagnometer that can measure the frequency now that comes off of different parts of the body from the brain, from the heart. It's called an electromagnometer. Okay. I love it. Just that. And so this is all the heart math stuff where they've measured like thoughts versus the intention of sending energy from your heart. The heart is 60 times stronger in its waves than the brain. Mm, Yeah. Oh, you said heart math. Yeah. Heart math. Oh yeah. I took a course from them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this stuff. So it's like, so then if you, what does that mean? How is that practical when you're in an argument or a dark night, you, you put, you use your free will, you put your attention, your loving attention on your heart center, on your heart chakra, which is really this portal to the divine. It's in your body. It's amazing. It's so handy. You put your attention on your heart. You refer to your heart. Your heart will tell you, your heart will guide you. Mm -hmm. And then you use your smart thinking. You use your intelligence in service of the heart. Let the heart call the shot. And then you go execute with your great brain. Mm. Way more better. Way more better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I love that because I've always thought the importance of words are, are something to, there's something to be said about that and what they can do, how the way that we talk to ourselves is really important. And even just the way that we think about ourselves, I used to do something called the rot experiment. <laughs> it's funny. It's not nothing to do with apples. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea that there is this kind of undercurrent of things that we think about ourselves that we might not ever say out loud. And so um, with some clients and I've worked with myself or whatever we've done, like where we look in the mirror and we just say everything that we hate about ourselves to get the rot out of the body, like to make us aware of what we're thinking or what's the chronic way of being. And then we write it all down. And upon writing it all down, we get to see exactly the way that we think about ourselves. And a lot of people might think this is controversial to do, but it was, for me, it was healing because it was able to pull it out of the body, basically to get an awareness on it. But But then what do you do with it? Then you write down what you would like to replace it with. 
yes what you would like to say instead so it's like reprogramming ourselves and our bodies or like every time I have that little negative thought I remember what I wanted to reprogram that with so that Mm. way I can start to exchange that because sometimes people um, I know for myself I'm neurodivergent I'm dyslexic like I gotta like think little things work differently for me Um, Mm. and so in order to do that I had to put them side by side to see like okay this is what I've been thinking chronically for a long time how can I replace that with something else? And so um, my mom, she said, she'll, she'll hate this example. But when she, when I was five, my mom said to me, I, I had really thick thighs, was a curvy child and still as a person. And she said, oh, you got my body type. You're always going to struggle with your weight. And I thought, I mean, like I'm a kid. So I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that's something I'm going to have to think about or whatever I was thinking about my weight, even at, you know, four and five, six years old about how much I weighed and what I weighed or whatever, you know, it was the, um, the snack well generation and like all the fat free and like whatever, like I grew up with that. And yeah. so my, my mom, like later, you know, she apologizes and, you know, profusely and she's like, you just never know what's going to stick. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, no, you, you really don't. But in that, like there is, there was this tape that got developed of like, oh, this is something I'm always going to have an issue with. And now being a mom, I think about that so much because mm-hmm. it's like everything that I say, obviously, like, it's like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fuck up your kids somehow, but mm-hmm. you do the best that you can with what you have. And I think about the way that we speak about things, whether we speak about money or our parents or, you know, what we, what we can and cannot afford, how we look like whatever, and think that is going to be the direct reflection of like what we're teaching our children how to be maybe and so in that depends on what they pick up in that I have made such a charge about like what I say matters not just for me but the the children that I'm influencing that are under me I've got my my child and my two stepchildren and so I'm very aware now that them being in my life has caused me to go ooh wait a minute, I've been saying this to myself for a long time. I've been telling myself this for a really long time. And then because healing is never linear, um, Mm -hmm. like I keep revisiting those areas where I've struggled in order to come into some sense of mastery of like, wow, I'm really trying to get over saying this thing to myself or having this amount of lack in my perspective. Now, how do you reconcile the idea of the importance of words with people really trying to gatekeep their thinking because like you said there's that little paranoia that comes in about like I have to be positive all the time I can't say anything negative I can't express myself without feeling like I'm going to manifest something bad Mm. well I think it's a it's just the expanded version of your rot practice Mm -hmm. which which I love because what you're doing is like you create you're creating a container to look at what's in the subconscious mind the unconscious mind and you're creating the antidote you're actually helping people be bigger than that undercurrent which is great the yoga sutras of patanjali which is considered like this is the book on yoga which is about um the spirituality of yoga it's like you know there's a few hundred practices and like only five of them are about body posture so this is really you know, great metaphysical stuff says that every time a negative thought arises, you should immediately counter that thought with a positive thought. Thought, okay, now we, you know, we have some mystic certification here, like justified. Okay. Um, How is that not spiritual bypassing? Have to ask that. Yeah. Well, if you have the negative thought, like, um, 
my body isn't awesome, let's say, then, and you don't judge it. You just see it. It's like, it's the cloud passing by. Then you can just choose to expand. Oh, my, my body gets me through life. My body helps me be of service. My body is amazing. My body's capacity to heal is incredible. Mm. And some days we're not going to be able to choose the positive, like a really high vibration thought, maybe like the highest vibe you can get that day is like other people have amazing bodies. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's going to soften the wound, you know, the grip, the next thing you're going to be like, oh, I have the, if other people can heal, I can heal too. Mm -hmm. And thoughts start to get, they get brighter. They get more shimmer to them. And I think, um, I, I lay this out some principles and how to be loving about what is a loving thought. And one principle is you have to believe it. Mm-hmm. So you can't shit yourself with fake affirmations, yes. just affirmations that you don't really, because your psyche knows that you're lying. I think it just creates yeah. this kind of janky, you know, kink in the energy, you know? Um, so you have to believe it, choose whatever you can believe. And the loving thought can't be rebellious. And this is really important because we see this a lot, hear this a lot in the body positivity space Yeah, of like, I am, I am too beautiful. Yeah, sister, you are beautiful. Yes. Own it. But there's a tone in it. Mm-hmm. That's a pushback against society, mm-hmm. which means it's just, there's this still this inner war. So it's like, is your ego developing the loving thought Mm -hmm. is the is the thought coming from your wounded self of like i am i got it and everybody else can piss off yeah is there approving to it or is your heart saying i am so beautiful Mm -hmm. and in that you're not proving anything yeah you're not proving anything to your past self Mm-hmm. You're not proving anything to Instagram. I love that. Um, that's so super weird because last week we had on Humble the Poet mm-hmm. and we got into this deep discussion after the show about, um, we were talking about Lizzo and like music and like all this other stuff. And um, he was mentioning something about the longevity of artists and music. And um, he says, my only concern with Lizzo is that it is um, the entire popularity of her has benchmark off of the what you said the rebellion of body types and you know whatever and i'm like we love lizzo but he says what happens when that's no longer something to fight against what happens to her platform what happens to her message what obviously she evolves and so on but i thought about that because at first i didn't agree i was like well you need people who to be aware you need people to jump up and do this and cause this awareness but when we talk about it in an energetic standpoint, there is resistance there that we're having to fight against. And, um, you know, I don't know Lizzo's personal journey. I don't know her like that, but I just went to her concert. It was amazing. Um, it was the <laughs> best heard, yeah. and most empowered I've ever felt. I was like, this is awesome. Um, but the, in the, in the more like macro point, there's just this like idea of like, I'm having to love myself, even though no one else loves me, or maybe I don't love myself personally. So I'm having to convince myself that I'm beautiful or loved or whatever. And so it is in a rebellion, almost like we're fighting against something. Do you think that it's the, that's the first wave or the first step? Like if people can't get there yet, like that, that's their kind of higher thought, not highest thought that they can get over that hump that way. Yeah. 
I think that's a great insight. I do think it is the first wave. I think, you know, the courage to be an artist and go through those waves publicly, because I would guess that what's coming is, um, you know, she is, other people are, we all get really identified. We get over-identified with parts of our personality, whether it's like, you know, I'm the Instagram baller and I got the money or I'm the Instagram vegan. And what happens when you don't want to be vegan anymore? What happens when it isn't about your weight? What happens if you want to lose the weight? What happened, you know, all the things that you've been trading on the, you know, those masks will get burned Mm. and it's in it and it can sting a little bit or it can sting a lot, but they have to come down. So you get down to like the soul stuff Mm -hmm. and maybe your body changes. Maybe you keep making the money. Maybe you're always skinny. Maybe you're always vegan, (laughs) but something you've been carrying around that's quote, proving your worth to society or to God is going to have to get thrown on the fire eventually. Yeah. I love that. There's there's so much to be said about that, especially for those, like, oh, for instance, like you said, like, mate, what if you're not always spiritual? Like I went yeah. through, um, my aunt passing last year really shook me and it was super sudden and just out of nowhere. We had no explanation for why it happened, why it should have happened whatever, nothing. And there was this, this, just this disconnect that I was feeling within myself of like, I have no way to spiritualize this. Like, what happened was evil and cruel and mean. And like, I have no way to use my spiritual tools to feel better about where I'm at right now. So in the midst of that mm-hmm. on Instagram, whatever, I'm like, listen, y'all, I need a break. Like this is, I'm finding out stuff about myself that I I didn't know before this experience. And now, like my, my, even my podcast started as a, almost a rebellion in the sense of like, I'm tired of all this love and light shit. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, <laughs> I want to find other people who have experiences like me or can talk about it like this. <clears throat> and so in that trying to, trying to not, you don't, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself almost in that space where you don't feel like you can expand, um, as a means of you trying to show up for people in a certain way. So people will love you or love Mm -hmm. what you're doing for them. Or this is the way I love myself, or this is how I'm teaching people what I'm learning about how to love myself. Even when I don't feel loving, even when I don't feel spiritual, even when I don't feel vegan or or whatever the thing is, Mm -hmm. um, you talk about something called a desire map and like, you have a, you have a book called a desire map. It was one of your first ones, right? Yep. Um, and even though I haven't read it, I, I have listened to about listened about it. And according to what I saw, it feels very similar to what I what I talk about for myself as my maxims. Like what are the things that I want in my life that equals a good life and and how that that totals out. Um, I've heard you say um something about desire causes suffering and the Buddhist thought that desire causes suffering. Can we talk about that? Because yeah. this is I heard both sides of what you were saying and I love you expand in that space. I think it's really valuable to my listeners because we are constantly talking about manifestation, myself included. And I'm like, so over it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> just I'd like, love to hear why you're over it. Oh, so yeah. over it. Um, <laughs> but the, this idea of desire and how it causes our suffering, I want you to yeah. first explain that. 
Yeah. That belief really haunted me for a long time because, <laughs> you know, I was like, you got to get clear on what you want. You know, Proverbs, you know, by biblical Proverbs, without vision, we perish. Mm -hmm. You have to have a direction. Yes. The trick is like, what direction? What is it that you are desiring? It's, you know, ideally we are desiring to know who we are mm -hmm. and have quote, correct identification. Like you are a divine being. You are a child of source. That is what's correct. Everything else is extra right and so the belief is that the suffering comes from you're not being with what is whether it's your bad mood which you're going to label as spiritual or it's someone not being perfect in your relationship or it's your thighs or it's whatever you want to label as destiny or whatever you're resisting what's here mm -hmm. and so by resisting what's here you're resisting your power to love it to be with it and to change it Mm -hmm. This is the thing until you love the bad day, it does, it's not going to change because that, that as is move, that's the transformative energy. Mm -hmm. I see you as you are, you get to whatever you're looking at gets to fully expand and reveal itself and be like, okay, are we all good? We know who we are now. Great. Let's raise the vibration. Let's make some more money. Let's have a more intimate conversation, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. so um the striving I mean we just break this down like how many people listening right now are just tired of overworking to be an awesome influential six-figure perfect x pounds whatever mm -hmm. spiritual good enough karma burning child of divine favor huh like it's exhausting yes. <laughs> it's not good for your adrenals yeah, it really depletes your estrogen as well, by the way, you know, like, um, that's the desire that causes suffering. It's a double whammy culturally, mm -hmm. because look at what we're being told 24 seven to desire. Look at the people in our culture, celebrity culture, who get the most attention mm -hmm. and the most money for what mm -hmm. exactly yeah. for what any thinking person could call immoral and adrift mm -hmm. <laughs> empty yeah no yeah. meaning what is that image what are they they're just players in a, in the theater it's there's no i'm not actually like they need to go but it's like what are they actually doing to have humanity be more loving what are what is that worshiping and I mean, this goes into all sectors of society, yeah. the people we, we quote worship in politics and so-called medicine and so-called athleticism. Um, what is that worshiping doing for our individual nervous system? Hmm. It's not good. I can tell you mm -hmm. it has us jacked. It has us looking elsewhere other than our own inner light and, and, all of this, you know, divine input. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I just, there's so much I want to say so much yeah, I can't yeah. say yet because there's mm. an announcement coming. I'll tell you after the show, after we, okay. Go. Tell me when we're out there. Uh, <laughs> secrets. Um, but there, the, the, when you said striving, that is a word that I have been chewing, chomping on for the last year. 
like fiscal year. Uh, <laughs> and I've been thinking so much about all of the desires that I have either imprinted on me based off of what everybody else is doing or what people are expecting of me and how my desire has changed as I become more aligned and more loving towards myself. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And I've been like, all right, like I've been in this rush towards like Oprah status or something like that. Like, I'm like, okay, let's change the world in this way. And I've put uh, an incredible burden, you know, on myself to try to come up to those types of expectations in a world that is becoming increasingly faster as far as like new cycle, as far as like who's well, and then now who's canceled or, you know, whatever, yeah. like there's not a lot of time for you to have what normally would have been a span of like 10 years of content that you've done in a month. And so you got to turn out this book and turn out this podcast, turn out this workshop, whatever. And my desire for what I thought was going to make me happy, like my maxims has significantly changed massively. Mm -hmm. Um, especially upon motherhood, that'll do that to you. But um, this idea of like, wait a minute, like I'm enough now. <laughs> I'm doing enough now. I don't need to really expand. Like I need to pay my bills and stuff like that. But like you said, the hormonal aspect of it, what it does to me physically of trying to continue to run and strive and desire more based off of what I think maybe the world has influenced me that this is what you should be after. What's the meme that keeps rolling around? That's like, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everyone wants this. Um, I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Emma, what's her name? Thompson. Yeah. I think it's her voice. Um, and it's like, no, like what's, what's funny is, okay. So we mm -hmm. bought this house um, uh, right before. Like, I did a great redecoration job. I Thank say. you. Yeah. I'm I watched excited. it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love our house. I love like the space and stuff, but like now I feel myself being like, I want a smaller space. Like this yeah. is a lot to keep up with. Um, I would like to live somewhere where there's acres and I don't have neighbors next door. And I would like something more peaceful, more quiet, less would be more in my life now that I've, I've, you know, gone doing the up and the down. And mm -hmm. what's, what's interesting about that is that, that continual needing to desire more. And like learning that, like, oh, I don't, I don't actually wish to desire more. I wish to desire less. I'm not actually someone who has the capacity to hold all of this anymore. Um, you're going to say something? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, it's not my job, but congratulations. Like you are going in the right direction because desiring less, it's like, it's less suffering. Like, you know, in my twenties, I didn't think peace was sexy at all. I went through my phase of like, okay, this career thing is working, you know, you start to pop a bit and now I'm, I'm with you. Like in the last, it's been two and a half years now, I had a great house. And I had a really sexy car mm -hmm. and I just went through massive inner and outer simplification. Like I stopped doing five different kinds of meditation every week, just did one mm -hmm. 15 minutes a day, every day for nine months. That's it. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, I just pared it all down. I got rid of books. I got rid of, I sold the house. Like, what do I want out of life? I want to walk by the ocean. Great. Yeah. I got an, I got an apartment. Mm -hmm. I, I got rid of the car. I let go of all these. I let go of my shoes. Mm -hmm. I want less. I want less. I want less. I take every mercury retrograde. I go through my apartment right now. I'm always zenifying. Mm -hmm. And I just think, 
Okay. Mercury retrograde is coming. That'll be the time when I fill some boxes, take it all to Valley Village, but simpler, sleep better, more effective. And yes, I want to, I want to reach millions of people, infinite blessings for infinite beings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I'm really grooving on simplicity as a spiritual practice, mm -hmm. um, having more impact than ever with more ease. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound so might sound trite, but taking a nap is revolutionary. It's the <laughs> small things, stay hydrated, get a little bit more rest, get to bed. You will wa watch your business bloom. Wow. And it doesn't even mean, and let's even define bloom, right? It's like, doesn't mean you're going to triple your revenue that quarter, but things will stay steady. You can rest and things will nourish, get mm. nourished. Yeah. So that's, that hits me really hard. And I'm sure it hits a lot of people because a lot of times what creates the burnout in the first place is the fear of resting, the fear yeah. of taking back or simplifying and that we won't be relevant anymore. People will forget about us. The algorithm is not forgiving when it comes to that kind of thing. And I'm oh. actually starting to break away from that because I'm like, the algorithm, fuck the algorithm. Fuck Ugh. it. Yeah. I'm going to make a shirt that says fuck the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, I, let, let's, let's, let's use our words as wands. Um, I think we should be saying, um, the algorithm works for me. Mm, I like that. Or I'm bigger than the algorithm. People don't understand. Like I've been wanting to jump on a story or put something in my Instagram feed that was like, do, do, do you all know how this works? Mm -hmm. Cause I don't think people who are just not just, but, you know, people who are consuming our self-helpy stuff realize that unless we do this, this, and this, they don't see us. Unless I do a reel every day, you start to vanish. Mm -hmm. Like you can have a quarter million followers, but unless you're playing the game, just like really handful of people get to see you. It's mm -hmm. messed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely not. I mean, it's built that way. So people are stay addicted and scrolling and whatever yeah. it keeps people creating. And it's like, this endless rat race of just content that like, I remember when Pinterest first got started. Yeah. And I was like, this is like, I loved it. Word. I loved it. Yeah. And, and I started thinking, um, I used to work in weddings as a photographer and, um, I would see how like the invention of Pinterest, how quickly the trends would go out of style because of the influx of content that would be coming in of new ideas and new things. So um, for instance, when I had started, like mason jars were like the big thing in the Midwest. Like you had to have mason jars and burlap and paper flowers and like the whole whatever thing. Yeah. Um, country chic. And and so <laughs> since people got so overloaded with seeing that constantly on the board and the cycle that Pinterest had, I guess, um, there it would be like you you're over it. You were done with it. By the time like the next year come by, it was like, oh my God, here we are, mason jars again or whatever. That was just in a trend sense. That wasn't even important, you know, like on the larger scale. This is what someone wants to do and how they want to decorate their individual wedding day. Not a big deal. But mm -hmm. I started to I thought about that early then as an artist. And I thought, mm, I wonder what that what's it's gonna what that's going to mean for our future when it comes to when what we create or the scale that we create and how often we'll feel like we need to create. 
Like I had that question then. And like that to me, I felt like that was pretty insightful for a 20 something year old, but like <laughs> that, that idea of like, wow, this is going to change the way that we see things and the way that we consume things. So something that I noticed yesterday, um, I, I have WhatsApp and I have a lot of a, a community group or whatever. And like, we talk and stuff a lot. And I noticed that I always listen to my messages and my audiobooks and everything at like 1.5 or two. And like, listen to it really fast, like just because like I got stuff to do, I'm trying to get through stuff or whatever. And then I notice also how I scroll. Everything is like really fast, really consuming. And I started to notice that my heart rate mm. tightens when I'm listening to someone talk really fast. My, the input that's happening in my brain and my nervous system and how I'm starting to react, the amount of stress that I'm having from the stimuli that I'm constantly absorbing. And it was just like a, it hit me with like, like a ton of bricks where I was like, oh my God, I have to stop doing this. <laughs> I have to mm -hmm. stop consuming at this level because my body is having a physical reaction to how much input is being, you know, like we're getting, yes. I'm almost getting desensitized to it because I'm so used to it. But my body is saying, you know, what? I'm overloaded. This is actually too much. This is too much. Yes. Like this is the desire for more information, more inspiration, more you know, whatever you just do it as a habit now as an input, almost like an addiction. And I only really noticed it because my stepkids are so hooked on YouTube and they love like the little shorts that come up or whatever. We have like the kid mm -hmm. version or whatever. They can't get on the adult stuff, but how much they will sit and watch basically reels, their version of reels for hours if we let them. But I started thinking about that. Like this is, this is raising them. Like yeah. this is teaching them what to desire what toys they want, what to buy, the cycle of the appreciation for the toys that they have. And I thought, is this not like a fucking analogy for, for my world? And like coming back to you, what you said about desire, like how we want to desire more and more and more in that cycle. If you don't become hip to it, that cycle will rule you and what your, your driving force of what you need, you'll, you'll suffer because you will expand outside of your capacity on what you're trying to draw into your life constantly. And it's mm -hmm. like, we just can't go at that pace. I don't think we're just, I don't think we're built to do that. I think if we look at it as sugar, like everybody knows white sugar is the devil. <laughs> and every time we're consuming social media, there's a huge sugar content. Mm -hmm. And because where I'm at, like I just said to a friend and my man this week, like I got to get off some of the social stuff. Yeah. Because I can start to feel just this little bit of pressure, little bit of anxiety comes at the base of my skull. That's the limbic brain. Like I've been through it enough. I know when it's, it's just that little clenching tingle and it is directly related to scrolling. Hmm. And um, it is directly related to all the rabbit hole stuff that I love. And my ego mind will tell me like, well, I need to be informed. I need to know what's going on with digital currency and 15 minute cities. And I, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm choosing a timeline of nourishment and peace and all that stuff. It is so impossible to know what is actually true anymore. It's going right. to get even freakier that really we need less information and more silence. Mm -hmm. So that when something, some AI BS image comes up, our intuition will go, mm, something's not 
Mm. When we hear something on the so-called news and you're just like, I don't, that doesn't feel, or we hear something you go that mm-hmm. we need to do this. Um, but my intuition is not being honed by more Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. How would you say that over, you know, the course of your life, you've really started to hone in your intuition and how have you, do you have any stories or anything where you thought you were trusting your intuition, but you were also actually trusting your anxiety? Isn't that kind of like life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The dance. Um, well, how my intuition works for me, th- these are kind of like the tools. Um, I call it my morning voice. Mm-hmm. And so sleeping on it really is a thing for me, but there, there's another layer there. I don't sleep and look for the answer. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't have, um, I'm not that into my dream content. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, dreams are a lot of like taking out the psychological garbage stuff. I didn't process during the day. I think that's when disembodied enti- entities come in and try and do their thing. So I'm just like, it's, it's not what I focus on, mm-hmm. but I know when I'm in that numinous light space in the morning, mm-hmm. I'll get the answer. Mm. And then this comes from a course of miracles. It's just like this little kind of micro prayer. Um, I will often say not every morning, but often I will say, you know, dear Holy spirit, please fill my mind with the thoughts of God. Hmm. I do my morning practice. Sometimes I go for a walking meditation, but it's not just a walk in the neighborhood. I'm actually going to like align with my soul or I will sit. And then I just kind of set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. I request that I am, I, I get what I need in that moment of contemplation. And then whatever decision I make that day is aligned with love. Mm -hmm. So I don't sit at my desk and tune in for every decision. I tune in in the morning and I go rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So where's that anxious story? Well, the anxious (laughs) stories, there's lots of times still where I'm just like, I hired the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And my intuition said this, or I did that, or, you know, when those regrets come up uh-huh. and two things will happen. Sometimes I go, yep, made that decision from my wounded self, not mm-hmm. from my healed self. Um, that was a fear-based call, mm-hmm. not a love call. And I go, okay, noted. And then sometimes I just say, well, don't know, but it shall reveal itself, even with people. Mm-hmm. You know, like we recently made a mishire. And it caused that person a lot of pain and it caused another person on my team, a lot of pain. And I think, did I make the wrong call there? Was that, and no, actually, um, I feel I made the right decision and the pain led to a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that because there's so much of the back and forth. Is it right? Or is it wrong? And I'm a fan of like, is it valuable? Like it might be right or wrong, but it might've been valuable. And so we can't really know until after it happens, but the idea of like, I don't know, but it will reveal itself is a trust move. It's (laughs) It's the vulnerability of like, you know what, like I'm moving forward anyway. 
Um, I may be taking a risk here, but like, let me see, like, let me see what we're going to do. I, um, I recently had my intuition sit me down. Um, I have something called conscious community. This is a plug for y'all go to love this conscious community.com. Um, and my intuition said, make it free. And I was like, no, this is my membership community or whatever. Like, this is how, like mm-hmm. I pay my bills. Like, I don't, I can't like make it free. And it was persistent, like make it free, make it free, make it free. Um, and so I was in alignment and obedience with that voice that's coming in. It wasn't a fear bo- voice. The voice that fear was like, no, I can't. Cause yeah. Um, but then I heard the missional aspect of it. You want to make this accessible. You want to have more diversity. You want to have blah, 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 blah. All the things that are like characteristics that I, I incredibly value to make impact. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this, even though this feels like I'm shooting myself in the foot. I'm going to be honest with you, intuition, spirit. <laughs> this feels like I'm shooting myself in the foot. And um, the secret that I'm going to tell you after the show uh, has been revealed to me why I needed why to move, why this is going to be important, why to do this. Two weeks ago, I was having panic attacks because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm having mm-hmm. to sit in space of trust to for something to be revealed to me that my luminous space was telling me it was straight up in the morning exactly like you said um mm-hmm. telling me this is the right thing to do this is going to be and it's thing. always very calm so like, calm so she's calm. not saying get everybody it's just like <laughs> free hey what's up you know mm-hmm. <laughs> almost flirting you know um mm-hmm. so in that space it's the i love that idea and I, I i encourage those of you listening to adopt that i don't know but it will reveal itself because there is in, in the, how important words are <laughs> the, the trust that you're saying, Hey, like I trust myself, I trust the universe. And even if that decision brings about some discomfort, it doesn't mean that it was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yeah. That's so much. Um, okay. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the, like you were talking very much about the vow. And like what the vow is. And like you said something that really resonated with me is like, what? This is my last lifetime. I'm not coming back here. I'm not, you know, like, I don't want to be doing this anymore or whatever. Why did I incarnate now? And um, I feel like this is important for a lot of us who see ourselves as light workers or, you know, we came here to spread love and like whatever, awaken the world. Mm-hmm. why did we incarnate here now? <laughs> um, what is the, the, the journey that you went through of exploring your aspect of existence and your incarnation and essentially like the dumpster fire that we've ex- observed in our world right now? Mm-hmm. Could you ask a bigger question? <laughs> um, you know, it's the, it's spiritual shit. I can't. Yeah. You gotta. <laughs> I feel no mistakes. I still feel, you know, just last week I was sitting at my dining room table with my guy and I thought to myself, we're talking about the state of the world and all the things we're really concerned about. And, um, and I just had that old thought run across my mind of like, I want off this ride. Mm -hmm. And when I went through my dark night of the soul, I had my suicidal ideation in the mornings, which is part of chemical imbalance and all those things. I am not a suicidal ideating person, Mm -hmm. but I do think, oh gosh, can this be like the last round in this dimension? Cause this is, it's hard Mm -hmm. down here. Yeah. A few things have occurred to me. Um, One, 
it is not guaranteed that is going to be any easier in any other dimension. So I may as well work out my spiritual shit now. (laughs) Right. Like Mm -hmm. it may be just like different form, different ray of light. There is still possibly going to be struggle. Things I'm going to have to push against to expand my consciousness, some hard work. Um, And this is really, you know, Yogananda teachings inspire this to me. And just like, he says, yes, you have karma. Just work through it. Get beyond your karma in this lifetime. This could be your last lifetime. If you really put the pedal to the metal. I don't know about that for myself. We'll see. (laughs) Um, I feel, you know, my shadow side has always been around abandonment issues and not being chosen. Mm -hmm. And the healing of that, the antidote to that was the revelation, like, I have been chosen to be here. Wow. I am the beloved, like, you know, and then the others, you know, even like three steps after that is like, I chose to be here. I had, I have, I am a soul that got together with the infinite and said, all right, we're going in. And this is as micro as it gets. I feel quite moved about this, but Almost every day I walk along the ocean, this seawall that we have in our neighborhood. And, you know, I feel, and maybe you relate, like, I feel like I was born with a broken heart mm-hmm. and it's a good thing, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't identify as a highly sensitive person. I don't have a boundary issues, but my heart breaks for the world a thousand times a day. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman walked by me and he looked kind of disheveled and, And he was limping a bit and my heart broke for him. Mm. And I said, good morning. And he just gave me the strongest, happiest, good morning back. And he looked so happy that I paid attention to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, we're humans on the same seawall. It's, isn't it great? And my heart broke even more because of that sweet moment. And I just thought to myself, it was just this micro thought. I just thought, you know, maybe instead of paying so much attention to his disheveledness and his pain and his limp. I can see that and I can feel it. I'm not denying it, but I'm going to rejoice that my job that day is to be the smile. Mm -hmm. And it helps me manage the heartbreak of just like, I'm here actually to be the smile Mm. and I will be that. Wow. Yeah. I'm here to be the smile. Yeah. That's so, it's so important and yet so simple. Yeah. Like everybody thinks they need to be this top earner figure, 18 books, like, you know, like I need to make this impact when in fact it could just be raising a decent child, smiling at the overlooked. Um, It could be painting, doing your passion, like whatever it does makes the world a more beautiful place. Um, for some reason, what's coming up for me is um, I was sitting in the bathtub and I was came across a reel of, I don't know if they were, I believe that they were in Turkey and they had saved this family that was like underneath the rubble and there was these children that they were pulling out. And when I tell you, I sobbed for an hour mm-hmm. in the bathtub after watching that, like I had just put my phone down and I just cried 
because of that feeling. Like I relate to that so much that broken, like can feel like it came in broken like that. Just as a mom, like what that would feel like, just as a person, what that would feel like. And to hear the the frequency of everyone just hooray, you know, like just to hear like just those few people that they were able to save and they were these babies. Like I just lost my shit. Like I lost my shit. I had a sinus infection over it. Like just like crying so much. Just like my sinuses are still messed up. It's like still painful here. Um, because of how how tragic and how beautiful that moment yeah. was at the same time. And I started to get in my head, like like thinking about it or whatever. I'm very in my head all the time about just the the yin and yang that is on this earth, the hard and the beautiful the tragic devastating against the the exhilarating and expansive and how when we're we're in that space of you know why did we incarnate here this place is such a dumpster fire and there's all this craziness going on we obviously have to acknowledge that it's important to be informed but we don't need to be inundated we can also mm-hmm. participate in the lovely and the beautiful mm-hmm. and enjoying each other and each exchange. I know that a lot of the people who are listening are very mission driven. Um, they want to like, I feel so moved. I feel like I'm about to cry, but like, they feel like they want to do something. How can I help? What can I do? And I feel like in that explanation, you're saying you can smile. You can be the light. The planet is undergoing a big earthquake. It's this, this is a big detox and it's like, okay, we've had an earthquake. Let's go rescue people. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a crisis of immorality. Let's be virtuous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all got to come up. I feel um, that you know when Christ consciousness emerges from individuals, when it comes down, it's I mean, really feel you know it's really penetrating this dimension. It's like everything that's been in the corners, the darkness, the corruption, the cockroaches, the toxicity it is going to come up. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'd mentioned earlier, I'm actually doing this metals detox right now. Yeah. You have to do it slowly. So you're not incapacitated and it makes you feel crap for a while because the toxin is coming. Mm-hmm. This, it, to me, it's, you know, this is global. I'm just this little, this speck who's doing my part. You really want to save the world, heal yourself. Because you are a cell in the body of Mother Earth. Heal yourself and you will be able to remind other people to heal themselves. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have nothing to add to that. That's so beautiful. Um, okay. Well, to wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask? That no. I- <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it all. Like, why do I ex- why do I think I exist? That covers it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to say that you, that you think is important to leave our guests with. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. What's today. What's important today. Mm-hmm. Um, what's important every day is your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I love that in, in our wellness space, the term nervous system is being popularized for good reason. Mm-hmm. If we all just looked after our nervous systems, if we nourished the nervous system, Mm -hmm. the whole planet would heal. Mm. Your whole life will change. Your relationship to money and your significant other, your mother, the absence of a significant other, everything will change. Mm. Um, 
I think the full circle spiritual journey is you come back to the human. Mm-hmm. You go, wow, this being human is the most spiritual thing. Right. And as humans, you got to take impeccable care of your health. You have to ingest truly nourishing things, mm-hmm. food, music, listen to the lyrics yeah. of <laughs> what is being played, like play the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't even listen to, you know, Billy Holiday used to be like my hero and I was obsessed with Diana Ross and all the things. And I just really, I'm just like, oh, I have to break up with Billy Holiday mm-hmm. because it's so, she was in so much pain. So it's like mm-hmm. respect. I need a Billy Holiday break. Mm-hmm. So now it's just positivity. The movies, euphoria. It's all, all of that suffering is being glamorized. Yeah. You do not need to ingest it to be more hip. Yeah. Choose the good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I love that because I, I talk about that very much. Like, what are we consuming? Like yeah. whether it be media, food, you, you know, the whole bit or whatever. I'm like, I'm not listening about bitches and hoes no more. You know, like yeah. trying to cut out where I can to help my own vibrational imprint you know on the world but also the aspect of the nervous system that's y'all go buy her book (laughs) books um they're wherever books are sold correct wherever books are sold and how to be loving also has a really sweet deck oh yeah yeah should we do a do you want to pull a card for a wrap yes okay let's do that all right okay so send me some lovely lovely is such a lovely word you know, Thank you. <laughs> there, you know, there's a whole spiritual layer to that word, but really? like, you know, divine, kind of divine charm. Yeah. It's really lovely. It's one of my favorite words. People think it's okay. my real name. It, it is not yet, but it will be soon. Are you going to tell me that after the show? No, <laughs> that's not the secret. <laughs> okay. So this is what we got. Respond right. from the heart. Resiliency is our capacity to respond from the heart. It has everything to do with love and inclusiveness and nothing to do with getting more tough. Resiliency is a foil to the ego's way of dividing everything into right or wrong. So when you're leading from your heart space, all energies and people and people, which are just forms of energy are given the space to be as they are. We adapt to what shows up. We meet all situations with love and we proceed from there. And that is resiliency. Mm. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much. Um, can you tell people where they can find you? Uh, DanielleLaporte.com. So we can have a real relationship. And if you want to have, a, if you just want to date, then I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you have a membership community as well? Yes. Heart center membership. I have a whole leadership community of curriculum for coaches, which is way cool. Yeah. So everybody go check her out. If this episode hits you in the gut, like it did me, uh, please share it with someone you love. We will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.